Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I think that the biggest thing I wasn't prepared for the amount of meetings that I get to sit in, so that's been fun. <laughs> Um, debriefs, we call yeah, them. We have, well, we have debriefs, we have pre-briefs, we have posts, we have everything. As long as you're not in your briefs. I, okay. I think, yeah. Stuff. Well, that 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 happens too every once in a while, but um, on Zoom usually, only. Yeah, only usually, on Zoom. Usually in Zoom. Um, but I think it's you know for for me it's been fun because I know most everybody and and I think. Um, going through the process of, of learning these everybody you see has been very helpful uh, to everything that, that I've needed to get going last night was uh, completely overwhelming uh, for, for me uh, luckily I've got pros all around me that have that have done this before and and we're able to they were able to keep the train on the tracks but it's fun to to watch it from a, a different perspective and, and be able to look around and not be in that competition mindset uh, bring some some insight into the the new car and just the strategies and, and things that, that go with that and and um, you know be a part of be a part of a, a different team and that's really how I've approached it is how can I just fit into to what they do and and just try to to play my role and and have fun with it so we're having fun and and so far so good we haven't we haven't knocked anything down or broken anything <laughs> um, and everything's everything's gone okay yeah Kevin we always appreciated your candor when you were a driver even on the radio and with your crew sometimes uh, how, how will you bring that. Uh, to the booth, and is that something you'll channel, uh, you'll figure out as we go along the way, especially starting with the most important race? Well, I'm not going to make fun of Mike, but I will make fun of Clint. Uh, <laughs> That's easy. Artie's not here, but he's okay an with easy, that. E Clint, Artie's an easy target, too, just he brings it upon himself. But um, the, one of the best parts for, for me is I don't have to get to know him. Um, obviously, I've been around Mike a lot, and, and you know we'll get to know each other and know each other but not as well as we will six months from now but this guy I've, I've known him since since 2004 and uh, when, when he came in and, and did everything with with uh, uh, RCR and everything that we've been through over the years as teammates but the the fun part for for me has just been we don't have to compete for anything anymore now we're just now we're <laughs> telling a story and having a good time with the, with the broadcast and not having to worry about how fast our cars are going and and we're just trying to do a good job at at what we do and, and communicating and so uh, that that really helps uh, get past a lot of hurdles when you don't have to understand uh, somebody that that you're that you're talking about what you, what you love to do yeah and so Clint natural transition uh, and comfortable for you but you've had different analysts you know since Jeff Gordon up in the booth with you and and Mike and we'll get Mike's thoughts in a moment for his time but uh, you two have a unique working relationship already do you feel like you have to guide him along you're gonna freelance it with this uh, what do we expect from you two in, in your uh, broadcast together well at the end of the day just like he spoke of I mean I do have a couple years of experience so it's important for me to help you know my longest teammate that I had in Kevin as he spoke he was my first person that I met in NASCAR so it's important for me for him to have an easy transition and have fun you know I think that's my role in all this we all know that I got to make sure that <laughs> He's, he sometimes doesn't have the most fun when he was in that race car. Yes, I remember. I mean, he'd win the damn race and get out, and you're like, did, did he enjoy himself right there? <laughs> so it's my job to make sure that he's having fun up there, and, and I knew it would be good, just like yeah. when I was hired to, to be alongside Jeff, Jeff uh, Gordon. 
Um, a lot of people didn't know that. They only saw us fighting on the racetrack, much you know, like we did. And uh, uh, when I, I knew outside of the racetrack, Jeff and I hit it off good. We always had fun together, and I knew that would be good banter back and forth. The last couple of years, it's been, you know, it's been a challenge. It is fun to do that. Welcome, Mike and I welcomed uh, so many guests in and had a blast doing it, but it comes with its own challenges, right? Um, to be in sync with somebody week in and week out and perfect your trade, that's what Kevin and I will, will you know, quickly get, and I know that we can handle that and have a lot of fun doing that and deliver the right message. Yeah, to have a regular team, yeah, and, and Kevin, all your time when you did the the Xfinity races and guested in the booth along with drivers, uh, certainly a lot of experience. Speaking of experience, Mike, uh, 45th Daytona 500 for you, whether it's radio or TV, and obviously from day one since we've had it with Fox, I'm sure we could go on and on, but just is there a Daytona 500 memory or two that, that jumps out at you before I ask you about uh, the Sunday race? Well, easily 76. Um, I was standing behind Leonard Wood. Uh, I had walked down to the Petty Pit, and it was just full of people, crushed with people. And I walked up to the Wood Brothers, and it was just the crew. So I was standing right behind Leonard Wood, and we could hear Ken Squire's voice over the PA as they crashed coming off turn number four. We couldn't see the cars, but we knew they were crashing. And uh, when David Pearson had clutched the car, kept it running, put it in first gear, rumbled across the line, and everybody in that pit just started running to victory lane. I had no business being there, but I ran right along with them. And, uh, and it was a wonderful moment. Uh, in 79, I was high atop a scaffold, a six-story scaffold in turn two. And I'm watching, like all of America, as uh, Ken on CBS and Gary Gerald in turn three for MRN called the crash between Donnie and Kale. And on radio, Jack Aroot goes, we'll have a new leader there in turn two in front of Mike. And I kind of go, what? <laughs> and, and you can hear it on the tape. You can hear the excitement in my voice. It's Richard Petty. I was surprised as anybody. And uh, so that was great. But I think the, yeah. one of the greatest yeah. Daytona 500 finishes was your win, what, yeah. 2007, and the fact that you won. I disagree with that. <laughs> and Clint came across the line on his roof. My well, version sucked, Mike. <laughs> you know, some things just perpetuate themselves. You know, every so. every every time we walk into the meeting or, or into the into the booth on the weekend, that's kind of how it is. Clint comes in on fire, and we yeah. kind of leave we kind of leave the same way. But yeah, yeah. The, the cool thing is we have a history together. Uh, I got to call Kevin's first win in the Cup Series, uh, among you know among quite a few others, and uh, so it's really cool. I think to put to put this yeah. team together yeah. because it, Chris, as you said. And, and, and as Clint said, the last couple of years has been a revolving door. And you know what that does? You stay in there long enough, and it makes you dizzy. And we had Tony Stewart, who was a great analyst and who can come to our booth anytime. And then we had a couple of people who'd show up with their hard card and a smile. And it was very difficult for Clint and I to establish a rhythm with any of these other one or two or part-time analysts. You know, and now I feel a whole new energy out in that TV compound where people are coming up with ideas on how to make the telecast better. We have a new telestrator to play with. We have a lot of toys. But, but just everybody is moving and pushing forward. And I, I can lay a lot of that right at the feet of, of this fellow here joining us and asking those questions. How do we make it better? How do we tell this story better? 
how do we get the detail better? Yeah, well, along with the great pictures and, and audio, and it's been a plan for a while to get Kevin in, into this seat to, to join this this group, and and we're glad we're we're finally pulling it off. Uh, Larry McReynolds, and we mentioned from from day one, I, I know busy with the duels and from Charlotte and back down here. Uh, what do you see the the biggest challenge uh, for crew chiefs? I know weather's going to be an issue possibly uh, for crew chiefs and the race on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think we started seeing it in the dual races last night. You know, I, I never thought, you know, coming down here for 18 years as a crew chief uh, for the Daytona 500, I, I never thought I would see the things that's going on right now with with race teams and with, with engineers and the way crew chiefs are calling a race. I mean, to be, to know that you've got to make one pit stop in a dual race and yet you're conserving fuel from lap one it's it's really been hard for me to wrap my arms around, but that's that's where our sport's at. You, you know, I, I go back to my 18 years as a crew chief. I'm not going to say it was easy to call a race, but a lot easier than what it is to call now. And it's it's one thing I I enjoy about being able to do a one-off race like I'm doing this weekend with Jordan Anderson in the Xfinity Series. You know, I've told people a lot. I, I think the, the days of me being a crew chief, I think that ship has sailed, <laughs> being gone for 24 years. But with what I've learned and what I've watched and what I've tried to engage in the last 23 years, I feel like I could go back on the pit box and call a race better than my days as a crew chief because of what I've learned over the last few years. But it's just the competition. You know, you, you think about the next-gen car. We, including Kevin and Kurt Busch, who's now retired. The last two years, we've had 25 different winners yeah. to win in the next-gen car. So the competition and a lot of the ways that you try to outwit the competition is by calls that you're making on pit road. It's... Um, it makes my head spin sometime, but it's something I really enjoy. Well, and we appreciate your insight as a crew chief and as a, as a broadcaster still. Uh, Jamie Little, 25th year, right, in motorsports? Wow, that's, uh, you know, you only look like you're 24. I'll tell you that right. I don't know how you're doing that's it. it. That's uh, all you're going to give me? <laughs> that's, it. that's it for now. Hey, uh, storylines that you always dig up a few before the race without giving anything away for the broadcast. What's, uh, what's looking like it's a couple of the top stories you'll be looking for, either in the Daytona 500 or if you want to go a little bit beyond and during the season? Well, the Great American Race, as you guys all know in here, I mean, the storylines are aplenty. We saw and heard a lot of those last night. Jimmy Johnson racing his way in. But the storylines that I always like to look at are who are the guys who have tried over and over and over again who've never been able to get this trophy right here? That's Kyle Busch, the Kyle Larsons, Martin Truex Jr. Can Ryan Blaney, our defending series champion, finally get it done? He's had a couple of runner-up finishes. I like those stories. And I also like the one-off stories, the guys who come in here like the Austin Cindricks and Michael McDowell's that come out and win this race. And when I get to stand out there on the start finish line and interview them, I mean, you guys all know you've all been in victory lane. There's nothing like that emotion. That's what yeah. keeps me coming back and doing this job, staying in the pits because I love being in the middle of that action and those emotions that are so raw. It's why we're all here. It's why I've been here for 25 years covering motorsports because there's just nothing else like it. And hopefully 25 more. Um, Regan, or, or a few more. Uh, Regan, Regan Smith, former driver as a pit reporter, kind of a cool thing for our broadcast group. And I know you've been doing this a, a few years now, Regan, but what, what perspective or advantage does that give you having come from the car, not up to the booth necessarily, like, like Clint and Kevin, but to be doing what, what Josh and, and Jamie are doing as a pit reporter? 
Well, I think a, a big part of it's the the relationships of the garage and and having known so many people for so many years. You know, I spent a number of years in the garage as a driver and and even years trying to be a driver and trying to get those opportunities and you build those relationships and. Uh, that trust, that trust from the crew chiefs or the engineers to where if they tell you something that you're going to use it at the right times and use it, not burn them on something. And it, it allows me to get some answers that typically I'd, I don't know that I would always be able to get. And, you know, it's been a lot of fun for me. The, the thing I was, I was kind of the most hesitant about was, well, if I'm not driving, then what does this look like? Well, now, instead of going into one hauler each weekend and talking to one group of guys, I get to go into every hauler and talk to every single guy and, and see what they're thinking and, and see what, the, what they believe the event's going to look like and what the, you know, the storylines are going to be and what we need to really focus on. So uh, it's, it's been very enjoyable, and it, it gives me a little bit different perspective having coming out of the driver's seat in terms of the flow of the race and, and what maybe what's going to approach us next. And Josh Sims, a rookie stripe last year at the Daytona 500, but you see him on Race Hub, a pit reporter. A second year here, Josh. What wowed you the first year that you're more comfortable with this Daytona? Yeah, uh, the whole thing was absolutely incredible, getting to do the Daytona 500, a race you know you, you grow up watching and, and know the magnitude of it. But I think the biggest thing for me is knowing, don't forget the story. You know, I think Regan and Jamie do such a great job of weaving in storytelling while you're getting pit reports out of them. And the biggest thing, you know, going through my head is, all right, what's wrong and how do I get that across? Don't forget the why. I think that's so important to any viewer out there watching to know, in addition to what's going on, why this matters. That's something that brings in viewers. That's something that gets new fans. And always remember that while you're telling people what's going on, give them a reason to care about someone. Give them a reason to hate somebody. It's, it's all important when we're doing this broadcast. And I think this whole broadcast team does a great job of storytelling in addition to broadcasting. And I think that's one of the biggest things I picked up on being around all of these around all these people around me. Great to have you again. And uh, Chuck McDonald is our producer, so he's going to have to pull all this together as he did last year in his first year. But actually, he's was one of the originals. You were in the graphics truck, right, some 20, how many yep. years ago. And then uh, he's produced college football booths, NFL, uh, and now he has the unique challenge with Kevin Harvick and, and Clint and, and Mike. Uh, so what, I guess, describe for everybody, Chuck, your philosophy. You have one in general, and then you have one probably for this group and for NASCAR. No, I think the main thing that Fox does is we try not to um, produce the show before we do it. We, we're very good at, at uh, covering the event as it happens. And then with this group, with race, there's like, unlike football or other things where there's one ball, there's a bunch of stories going on and just figuring out the ones that are the most compelling and the ones that have to make air. And the chemistry of this team makes it a lot easier, a lot easier for me. All right. If anybody, I have a few more. If anybody has any questions, yes, just identify yourself if you could when you ask a question. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. You go first, and then I'll get to you. Is that okay? Just so we know who we are. We have a microphone so that you can be heard. Thank you. Jacob Seelman, Race Face Digital. Uh, Mike referenced it, and Kevin, you actually did during the dual broadcast last night, but I'm curious the dynamic for you two and maybe even Larry as well going back to that first win because I, I think back to that broadcast. It's one of the first ones that I vividly remember, and Mike saying, you know, Gordon got loose, it's Harvick. What is that like to bring it full circle all these years later and, and have now this chemistry after that moment? Well, it's interesting because of the fact that, you know, they were obviously in the booth and, and I've obviously heard that a number of times and, and it's a it's a it's a special moment uh, in, in my career. But the, the one thing I, that I can tell you. 
from the beginning of my career, we were around all these guys and gals um, because of the fact that there was a lot there was a lot of engagement with Fox coming into the sport and wanting to be a part of the drivers and the teams and the sport and understand it and entertain and, and so we were around each other a lot. Um, the the thing that I can tell you about Mike and Larry, uh, you know, it's Larry is Larry's on top of everything that that goes on. Mike Mike is in charge of um, of us. We wanted to, I wanted to get him a, a referee shirt uh, to to start the year, but working with with Mike and and Adam Alexander, these guys are these guys are pros. And when I've learned that when something goes wrong, I just stop, be quiet. I look at Mike. And so my point is there's a there's a lot of experience. I won't call us all old because we we are, <laughs> uh, but I won't say I guess I did say it, but I guess that's just a fact. That's just the way that goes. Um, Can't escape it. But Can't run from it. You know, it. it's uh yeah, he reminds us that he is—he's younger than most, um, but and immature. Uh, well. Immature, yeah, that's true. Younger, younger, <laughs> younger and immature. Um, but you know, I think um, just having that tie and that bond of of all the all the group that have been around the sport for so long makes it uh, makes it fun because we're all we're all fans. We all love the sport, and and you can hear that passion in that call, and and that passion is still there when I when I listen to both of them talk about what they do today. But uh, if Larry or Mike wanted to comment, does that answer your question, sir? Okay, we'll go to next. Go ahead, sir. Hey, um, uh, this is Chris Gollum with WNDB. Uh, I also had a question for Kevin. So back in August here, with, for your last race at Daytona, I asked you if there were any moments that stood out over your career racing here, and you talked about the feeling of coming through the tunnel to come under the track as something that that got to you every time. And I was wondering now, you've, you know, you've come through the tunnel again this weekend, but in a very different context with a very different um, set of uh, things ahead of you. So I was wondering if, if you could speak, is that feeling any different now, now that things are so different for it's you? It's very different. It, for, for me, it's, it's different in, in the fact that I don't have to worry about how fast my car is going to go. And I watched those videos last night of those guys hitting things, and I'm really <laughs> excited that I don't have to, you know, experience how that feels today. And, and we, once, you know, we saw that everybody was okay last night, we, we really want to, people to understand how physical this is. And, and I want, you know, whether it's sliding from the top of the ban banking and slamming down on the apron or hitting the wall like like. Uh, Ryan Blaney did last night. That's that's intense, and that that hurts. And there are moments like that that happen throughout the night that TV makes look easy. And those are the things that that we want to dive in and do. But um, driving in that tunnel for me, I don't have to worry about all those things inside the car. We can we can relay and and tell you what it felt like or what it looked like or what he's experiencing from from the driver's standpoint. And and but being able to look around. And enjoy the sights and the sounds and the smells and all the views of everything and and seeing that green flag for the Daytona 500 is is something I'm really looking forward to, because now it's it there is a sense of fun that goes along with with what I'm doing and I've learned that um, everybody here wants to have a great time and we eat a lot so uh, <laughs> that's part of it I've yes. learned that I've learned that I'll I've learned that I better have a better exercise program quickly <laughs> um, but it's you know just everything is just it's very enjoyable and that it's not that I didn't enjoy what I did but I just didn't realize how intense it was doing the things that we did uh, on a weekly basis okay. now we go in the tunnel and it's some security driver at breakneck speed and we're worried about other things yeah. like yeah. trying to find the media center on time that's right uh, okay I think we have another question go ahead sir 
Terry Saviston uh, with WNDB, the flagship station for the Motor Racing Network, also a veteran that was qualified to work on F-16s. How was that flight today? Can you tell us what the what the Thunderbirds did there and, uh, yeah. and the fun you had there? You know, you're getting out of a race car, but jumping into a, a F-16 is pretty comparable. And how's it compare? Well, it's it's def it's the most physically intense thing I've ever done in my life, and. We took off at the end of the runway and went straight up in the air, and I'm like, holy crap, what have I got myself into? Um, I didn't pass out. I didn't throw up. Um, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a great experience, and you know, it's something that I've never done before because of the competitive side. I didn't know if I was going to come out of that thing walking sideways uh, like my compadre here. Um, said he was walking sideways when he when he got out of his. So um, I have never actually got in one of the planes, and and you know this was the first opportunity that I could miss. I guess I could miss work. Is that okay? I you look pretty disheveled when you walk. I was going to say, let me add a little context yeah. to this. When he got to the TV, I'm exhausted to be honest. A little bit with you. ago, we've all seen Jamie and Regan interview him after a race. A little bit of helmet head, right? The old hair sticking up. Or, couple of them are and uh today buddy it was straight up like bud you need to go to the wardrobe department and get something done with your hair because it was it was bad it was intense it was but really I, bad. I enjoyed it uh that was my one and done so that was that's, check that off he looked like he was going very fast there you go that's the kind of analysis clinton will give you i'm telling you I, we have another go ahead, question back here yeah justin schuler kicking the tires um I guess this question kind of may have some value for both new fans and even the lifelong fans, and it may be very basic, but I kind of wanted to have this open to anybody's perspective. They say that the Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl of NASCAR, and, and some drivers will say they will trade anything to take that trophy home and, and win this race and put this race on their resume. Um, in your guys' opinion, why? Anybody want to... Since 1959, that's the way this sport has been run. You know, prior to that, the Southern 500 was the sport's biggest race. In 59, Daytona opened. In 60, Atlanta and Charlotte opened. But once Bill France built this speedway, this became the one crown jewel of NASCAR. And the way NASCAR has been run ever since, it's always been, this is the tentpole event. That's never changed. Uh, Kevin, since you won one, how about that? No, no, sorry, Clint. So how about <laughs> maybe you could describe what how that changed your life? I mean, we hear it so often. Hey, there's nothing like it. Now I'm a Daytona 500 champion, whatever. But uh, maybe go into a little more detail based yeah. on his question. I mean, well, it's very unique, right? Because you you can you every team is the most prepared that they're going to be all year. This week, they have their their three months to to work on the car it's the best it's going to look the hauler is going to look the best it's going to look you've got all this hype and all this build up around uh, the the first race of the year you've got media day you've got qualifying races you've got, you had qualifying you have qualifying races and you know everything that leads up into the 500 and it's just um you know when, when you bring in the history and the mystique and, and everything that was built around daytona international speedway making it our marquee event of the year there's no way you can build any more hype because you, you've had the whole off season, and there's no way you can really be more prepared with, with the amount of time that you have. So um, I remember winning the race, and the first thing that Dale Jarrett told me, he said, well, you're, you're, now you're going to understand why this is the, the biggest race in the sport and, and what that means. And, and when you look at that trophy and you look at the names on it and, and you realize um, you know, many of them are the who's who of, of NASCAR racing and, and understand the, the history 
of, of the names on that trophy that, that you're associated with, it makes you understand that you truly are a part of, of you know, one of the m- more historic uh, events of, of, um, of Daytona history. And so uh, every year that happens and somebody new puts their, puts their name on that trophy. And, and if you're in NASCAR racing, you understand what that trophy means um, you know, to, to take home and, and the amount of time and effort uh, that everybody puts into preparing those cars to try to do that. So it's just a, it's a different vibe than, than the rest of the year. Points do matter. Clint will tell you they don't. He's just racing for the trophy. But um, Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's just different. It's different yeah. than, than any other week. I mean, it's that one, one moment, one race where you can change a, a career. I think we had a question. If we can get a mic over here. I can go there, and then we'll go to you, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Steve Swartz with the Lasco Press. Um, Mike uh, referenced uh, 76 and 79 as two uh, events that uh, really stood out in his uh, broadcast career. Richard Petty was in here earlier in the week, and uh, he mentioned both races, but he said the one that bothered him the most was the one he lost to Pearson, and uh, that he remembers... Uh, uh, so many more details from that race in 76 than the one he won in 79. Um, For Kurt and Kevin, um, I don't want to talk about race memories. I want to talk about broadcast memories. Can you, and I know, Kevin, you haven't been, this is your first your debut in the in the booth full time, but you've done uh, some uh, uh, call some races uh, as a color analyst before. from your days in the booth, what um, single experience or moment or um, event um, stood out most, not from your racing career, but from your broadcast career? Well, I think that the thing for, probably for me that sticks out the most was actually here, and it was when Kyle Busch broke his leg. Uh, we, were in the, we were in the booth that, that particular day because you were pretty new in the booth uh, and not really understanding a lot of things that, that happen in those types of moments. And, and so, you know, not knowing if the driver's okay or what the situation is and knowing how hard the impact was from the driver's standpoint. And, and so that was, that was one moment for, for me um, that, that stuck out a lot more than most because of the uncertainty about the driver and knowing the next day that you're going to get into the race car and do the exact same thing. So, you know, there's just those those moments of in time that that and that was one for me that that sticks in my mind uh, to this day about the the uh, moment that that Kyle Busch hit that hit that inside wall and and everything that proceeded to happen after that. And then we have I think time for one more of the from the group here. Gotcha. Clint, uh, I know you're getting spoiled because your team wins the Super Bowl every year now, but um, <laughs> Taylor's team. What was the uh, good point? What was the experience like this time, and especially with Gordon there? Did you were you able to rub it in his face? In oh person? my gosh! Why, he All just that. keeps showing up for beatings. Why would you do that? It's amazing. I mean, he just sets himself up year after year for disappointment. But to have him standing next to me when when we actually beat him again, gosh, it felt good. Um, <laughs> what a game! What a you know what a relationship with him it has been fun i remember my first year in this very job was was alongside him meant a lot to me uh right off the bat was was our rivalry with the uh the super bowl and and to be able to beat him but you know it kind of takes me right into i wanted to to answer your question too the importance of this job takes a whole new meaning and i think 
he's going to realize that really quick. As soon as that red light comes on on Sunday, my life changed. My whole, my whole vision of this sport changed. My love for it didn't change, but the importance of my job did. It's one thing to be out on that racetrack as part of the crowd, right? When you have the job and your task to deliver the message to people at home, to the sport that you love, it's very important to you. You want to do a good job. You want it to be lighthearted, but you want to take care of business. There's so many boxes to check. And, and he and I talked about it last night, even this morning. You know, dang it, we could have done that a little bit better. We missed that. You know, you never, you never hit on the, on the good things. You never even think about those. No different you did on a car. Very competitive up there, um, just like it is on that race car. You have good days. You have bad days. You call good races. You don't. But it's the team, right? It's a team effort. When, when Jamie and Regan give a good call or Larry gives us a tidbit, man, I saw this down there in the pit area, you know, you, you get in the slot, much like you do in that race car and that comfort level, everything calms down. Um, and it's just such an important, impactful thing to be able to call the great American race at Daytona 500. It, it is fun, but it's nerve wracking as hell because it's so important to you. And more nervous, uh, Clint, uh, Kevin, too, more nervous going into this as a broadcaster first time or when you were racing it for the first time? And it's Busher. <laughs> Way more. Yeah. It's Busher, not Boucher. Busher. <laughs> okay, big boy, wait till you're going wide Busher. open and, and everything's <laughs> that happening was everywhere. You that got was... him yelling in your ear, him telling you what to do. That was Larry's me last night. I was, trying to I was wave. referencing myself. Buddy, it just you got to breathe, and you're gonna make mistakes. He thinks he said it. Yeah, it was. Well, me. I, it wouldn't surprise it me. me if I did. But you don't remember what you said. That's all. All hell breaks loose I up was, there, just would, like the race car, doesn't it? I would tell you that last night I was I was more spun out than anything I've ever done in a race car. When the when the beginning of the race started and everything went down and everything was happening, um, we had a little, couple of little things go wrong here and there, and radio didn't work. And next thing I know, I'm looking at Mike. All right. And while you're looking at me, I'm just looking at you. I'm not Chuck talking. And I are because, talking, yeah. figuring out where we're going next. I just wait. I froze. The wheels fell off. So yes, I was <laughs> way more nervous Literally. last night. It's three like hundred yeah, cats. Three. The good thing is, Clint's going to Dawsonville and going <clears throat> to the billiard room and blow the horn. I hope so. Yeah, he's got to blow the horn. <laughs> I like ribbing people. Do you realize how many people that pissed off on Twitter? It was awesome to be able to do that. It created an hour and a half of banner with people on Twitter when I got done with that it's, race. It's, it's Sometimes nice. that's by design. It's a siren. It's a pool room. You call it a siren, Georgia. It's pool room, not a billiard room. (laughs) Well, thanks. uh, Oh my gosh, a pool hall. Thanks for your time up here, and thank you all for uh, sharing a few moments for your questions and for your coverage of NASCAR. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for being here too. Great year, you guys. Thanks for being here.